Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Vegas lead for me, the Clippers, and that really disappointing game last night. Yeah, it was disappointing. The L.A. Clippers, who had come back to tie the series two games apiece with the Dallas Mavericks, get back home to Staples Center and find themselves on the short end. The Mavericks, a 105-100 win. Dallas now takes a 3-2 series lead. You know, smart people tend to not want to keep things simple. They like complexity because that's where they shine. I'm going to propose, Jonas, the following. Maybe this is simpler, this series, and maybe the Clippers for the last two seasons are simpler than we think. It's when they have to try hard or there's going to be big-time consequences. Maybe people fired, people shipped out of town. They try hard. Any other time, their effort is hit or miss. When they were down 0-2, they tried hard and won. They were down 1-2, they tried hard and won. 2-2, they're at home, clear favorites in the series. Oh, look, the effort level didn't seem to be there. Is it really that simple that if all we did was say, is there a reason for the Clippers to play hard, then we play on them, and if there isn't an explicit, obvious reason, we look to go against them? Has the last two years told you anything that would contradict that in a major way, Jonas? Um, no, although I, I don't know how to quantify whether or not they're playing hard because you, you would have thought last year with Denver making the run and getting back in the series like the way that they did, that they would come out and, and be ready to go and respond at some point when they felt threatened. This, I mean, last night, I don't think their defense was bad. I, I just think they couldn't hit shots. They couldn't. And then they, the turnover's late. They had an opportunity late, and they turned the ball over again with a chance to take the lead. It just feels like in these big moments, they're, they're unsure of themselves. And, and when, when the game's on the line or the series is on the line, they don't know how to respond. I think you're making a great point because most of the time, there aren't these cataclysmic consequences and when, if that's what it takes to motivate them, then sometimes that motivation might be there, but the, the nerves, the pressure is too much. Because let's be honest, what do they say about practice and anything you do? Is if you practice it enough, you are almost on autopilot, and thus the nerves don't affect you as much. They talked to President Reagan. He gave a famous speech in 1984. Uh, it was on, the, uh, I think, the 45th. Uh, no, it was the 40th anniversary of D-Day, and he was in France, and it was a super emotional speech. We actually played it here once about two years ago on D-Day's anniversary, and they asked him, it was Peggy Noonan wrote the speech, and they asked him how he got through it without you know, choking up. And he says, you read it so many times that eventually you don't even know what the words mean. That it's in your head. You're say, it's like a song you hear all your childhood. You might not have thought of that song that was at the eighth grade dance or whatever, Jonas. But if, so, if you hear it, you're going to know the end of the verse. And it's not even your thinking. It's kind of burnt into your brain. I think a guy like a Michael Jordan or the great Tiger Woods, they get into that routine that when the pressure's on, it doesn't affect them. Because they've done it so many times. 
And there's sports science is huge with this. So I mean, you know, I'm saying it very simply. There's nuance to it that that's not being appreciated right now. But to me, the Clippers, what we know is they haven't been together long enough. And when they are together, it doesn't seem like they have an urge to play. Load management, or someone wants to go get hot dogs at the strip club, whatever <laughs> it seems to be in Atlanta, is, is there's always a reason not to play. And it's like the guy that doesn't want to work out. If it's 72 degrees and no wind, he'll go for a jog. <laughs> but if it's 79, it's too hot. If it's 62, it's too cold. If it's windy, the dust gets in his eyes. It feels like the Clippers only want to play when it really is perfect. And you know what? It's not enough time to get into the routine that helps them during the highest pressure situations. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, when's the last time you remember tying your shoes? I mean, it's just sort of you do it so many times in your life, you don't really remember a specific time that you did it. Um, But with the Clippers, yeah, it's – it's a weird thing because you would have thought all the momentum, Luca not 100%, um, you know, they'd be feeling better about themselves. Everybody was writing them off after the first two games. And then to be down, and look, the game shouldn't have even been that close. They were down 10 with a minute or so or two minutes left in the game. They made a comeback. They got it to within one. And again, late in the game, couldn't figure out a way to, to, to get over the hump. Kawhi, you know, had a had a bad shot and they had a bad play uh, designed and to to end the game there. And then they end up losing and now they've got to go back. And as you said, backs are completely against the wall. Season on the line. Probably this era of Clippers basketball on the line against Dallas uh, with a quick turnaround. Right out of Vegas. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So, RJ, the uh, one of the most anticipated matchups in the next round of the NBA playoffs tips off on Saturday, and it's the Bucks at the Brooklyn Nets. That's a 7.30 Eastern time tip-off on TNT, but no doubt about it, one of the matchups in the East semifinals that we are awaiting and watching closely. You know, I've already got tomorrow's question in my head, so it just hit me. <laughs> All right, here's the thing that we got to wonder about this series. How isn't the winner of this series the favorite to win the title? Because if we assume the Lakers get eliminated, and right now, and we're going to spend the whole last segment of the show this hour previewing that, and I've got a best bet on the game that involved in the game, but the Lakers. Mackenzie, what's the current uh, series price for the Lakers? Uh, Lakers have a, a 30% chance to win. Let me get the exact number. Yeah, so we're in the 30% range of the Lakers advancing. If they don't, and the Clippers don't, let's think about who's left. we got four teams left in the West. We'd, oh, go ahead. You got it? No, sorry, I don't have it yet. Oh, you might want to turn the mic off in between then. He's like, going, I think I, I, I got it jeered. It's like, you got it? No, no, I don't have it. What are you talking about? Why would I have it? That's McKenzie. I'm RJ Bow. Okay, so Denver, Portland winner. Right? Not going to scare too many people. Yeah. Then you got, in theory, Phoenix. All right, if they advance from the Lakers, you got Dallas and you got Utah. Which one of those teams are scary to you, Jonas? Which one of those teams would even be th- even think about being favored over uh, Brooklyn's probably favored over anyone, but even Milwaukee if they can beat Brooklyn. 
I mean, maybe Utah. Maybe. Yeah. You're right. And that's a You're big right. maybe. Yeah. I mean, and I would say this, as much as they uh, have, you know, they lost the first game, obviously, I wouldn't say there's some big upgrade on Utah from what I've seen this series. I mean, that and that, I'd say, uh, I'm downgrading them a, a smidge myself. Yeah, I mean, Donovan Mitchell coming back, I think, was was the difference maker. But I just don't know that that's enough to warrant, you know, putting, you know, Brooklyn or even Milwaukee in a state of fear if they were to meet up in the finals. And if you look in the East, you got an Atlanta team that really benefited from uh, Thibodeau not making the adjustment. I mean, listen, he could end up being, I don't think it's been the coach of the year, Oh, no, it was announced. The, the Phoenix uh, guy got yeah, yeah, Monty Williams. Yeah, but he was right there in the mix. I, I don't know if they showed second or third or whatever, but he was right on many ballots. And rightfully so. The Knicks so exceeded expectations. But this is an example. Both Utah, actually, and Atlanta are a good example of how the NBA regular season, this year especially, is more unlike, is more different than the postseason than any sport. NFL football, eh, intensity goes up. Motivation isn't a question in the playoffs usually, but it's very similar. But in the NBA, you've got the intensity difference is massive. You've got the rotations get shortened. You've got the iterations between games and the adjustments. The Knicks were doing pretty much the same thing in game, you know, when they're eliminated in game five as they were doing in game one. And you know, give Atlanta credit. They were doing different things to try to combat the changes, and there you go. It was a fairly easy series. So, on one hand, you've got the idea of, in general, there's big differences, and Utah benefited from those because Utah played hard every game. And you might say, well, that's a good thing. You're right. But if you're looking at a team that plays hard every game, and you look at their uh, results over 72 games this year, and then you look at a team that plays hard uh, every other game, well, who's got a higher ceiling? Who has a ways to go when they do stay motivated all the time? Now, listen, team like the Clippers, they don't even get motivated in the playoffs sometimes. But for the (laughs) most part, teams are motivated in the playoffs, and thus the teams that don't have anywhere another gear – usually don't do as well in the playoffs as the teams that have similar regular seasons but have another gear. So to me, that means Utah isn't as good as their record was in the regular season. And I'll tell you one more thing. Utah had one of the best, if not best, health runs this year. In a year of COVID, when people were out for a week, you know, 10 days at a time, and there were more injuries seemingly than usual, the health really dictated a lot about results because Utah was what? Like a game up on Phoenix, couple games up below. It wasn't like they were 10 games better. It only took three or four more missed games and Utah, you know, from key players and Utah maybe doesn't have the best record. So in general, you got to respect what Utah did. They have every chance to make the finals and even win it, but they're not the best team in the NBA. 
Would you disagree with any of that, John? No, no, I think that's all fair. Yeah, they didn't they didn't run away with, you know, the Western Conference. It wasn't like, you know, they were the Warriors winning 73 games. I mean, they were the best team record-wise. Um, they've got talent. Donovan Mitchell seems like a, a star. If he's not already a superstar, he's on the verge. Um, they've got seemingly a home court advantage. Um, it, you know, like that. that's always been mm-hmm, a conversation mm-hmm. about Utah. But I just don't Altitude know. Altitude is part of that. Yeah, I just don't know that that's enough. That if you're one of these teams that comes out of the Eastern Conference, you're thinking, man, this could be a really, really grinded well, of a series. Let's be candid. You'd rather play Utah for sure than you'd play the Lakers. And I don't care how the Lakers are playing right now, right? If AD, if there's any chance AD getting healthy, you want to get rid of the Lakers right now if you can. And I don't care about all the things I don't like about the Clippers. I'd rather play Utah than the Clippers. And I'm not sure many people really feel otherwise. And thus, there's no way Utah is favored over the winner of this Brooklyn-Milwaukee series. And it's a good segue to talk about how Milwaukee looks like they're not as good as they were. So you might be thinking, wait a minute, in 1819... Their net rating, which is a great measure of how good a team is, was plus 8.6. 8.6 points. That's excellent. They didn't even make the finals. Last year, they were plus 9.4. What was that? Like the 12th best in history? Yeah, top t- actually top 10. That was one of the 10 best seasons in history Milwaukee had, plus 9.4. This year, they're plus 5.8. So, wait a minute. 8-6, 9-4, Heck, they didn't win it the last two years. Why are they winning it this year? That's what people are getting wrong. If you look at Milwaukee, they were smart. They said what we were doing might work in the regular season, but it doesn't work in the postseason. We see it doesn't work, so we're going to do something different. So, they do an all-in trade for Holiday, and you know what? It took a while to integrate him, but he is integrated. And I think we saw against Miami to potent effect. Middleton's Middleton, but if you're the second guy or third guy instead of the second guy, eh, less pressure. You don't have to be as good. And maybe it's the combination of the lack of pressure. He's playing better. You get P.J. Tucker, a guy in certain matchups. Because another thing about the playoffs is it's a chess game. you got to be able to play with variety. you got to have multiple approaches. The Knicks had pretty much one approach. It didn't work. They were done. P.J. Tucker helps Milwaukee's multiplicity and what they can do, if that's the right way to say it. And finally, you look at Lopez. He's been rejuvenated. I'm not saying he went to Germany for platelet stuff or whatever. <laughs> But this is a different team, and it's a team better suited, this Milwaukee team, than the prior two years. That's the paradox. Last two years, Milwaukee was better in the regular season. This year, they're better for the playoffs. And part of this year's regular season failings, we'll say, or a little bit of a drop-off, not failings, drop-off, was about all the different things they were trying They played a whole game on a West Coast swing where they played zone the whole second half, which they never do that. But they, for whatever reason, they wanted to try that game. They lost that game, but there might be three possessions in this series they need to zone that they wouldn't be ready for if it wasn't for that testing. 
And to me, Milwaukee didn't just say more of the same. I look at the Baltimore Ravens in the NFL and I think, boy, they're saying more of the same. We don't care that we seem to lose in the playoffs every game, three out of four games now with Lamar. We don't care Kansas City beats us in the regular season every time. We're going to do more of the same. It feels like. We'll see. Well, what we know is last year when they were up 25, Baltimore, they didn't let Lamar throw. They just kept running. They wanted to run it up. That's what the hardballs do. I'm not a fan of the hardballs. He smells. But the fact of the matter is, he likes to run it up. They both do when they can. But they're not getting ready for the playoffs, it seems to me. Milwaukee, Jonas, I think, sacrificed some results in the regular season. And they don't have home court here. But I think they're better suited for the playoffs. What do you think? Yeah, and I also think that they're maybe coming in without all the expectations because Brooklyn's getting so much of the shine and the Sixers are the number one seed that maybe just as a team, maybe Giannis as a star is best suited coming in with low expectations. We were all waiting for them to make the jump the past couple of years. That's why they were seen as such an extreme disappointment. But they seem like they prefer this role being second or third fiddle and conversation in the Eastern Conference as opposed to the previous. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. In a, a minute or two, I do have a best bet in this Lakers, and this is a full best bet, this Lakers game. Like you said, favored by two. It's, it's kind of going to two and a half in some spots. There's a small chance, a greater than 0% chance that Anthony Davis plays. The real question, though, is does it matter if he's not good enough to be differentiated from his replacement? Meaning that there's a range of health that would allow AD to play but be limited, be hobbled. And the only thing that matters is his ability to play better. It's not like they got to play with four people without him. It's his ability to play better than who would, you know, whatever the rotation would change accordingly. So I'm not optimistic about it at all, even if he plays, that it matters. Lakers are still favored, though. But if you think about the average home court, now that the fans have come back to a great degree, it's been about the home team favored by two when you adjust for how good the teams are. So that means the Suns are pretty much an even team against the Lakers. That's saying a lot about the Suns. And you know, Jonas, it was 13 days ago, I think it was, when we were here ranting and raving before game one that the series price didn't make sense. Yeah. That the bookies were telling us the Lakers are not a good bet because everyone and their brother liked the Lakers. And still they were being offered at a juicy, compelling price. And what did we say? We said whenever the bookies give you something you want – and it looks like they're wanting you to take it, you don't want to take it. 
It looks like it's going to pan out here. What do you think? Yeah, and it just seems like every time the Lakers win a game in this series, there's a more drastic move um, in the opinion on this series than there is the Suns. Because if the Lakers were up 3-2 right now, if roles were reversed, Lakers are up 3-2, I, I, the, the, I would say majority of people just assume, oh, they're going to close it out in six. But because yeah, it's Phoenix, it, there still feels like, oh, no, no, this is going to go seven. They got LeBron. They got, you got to watch out. So it just feels like it's, it's always slanted towards the Lakers a little. It's called the gambler's fallacy is the concept that you can't imagine something happening even and you don't account for the. It's like if I flip a coin (laughs) nine straight times and it's heads nine straight, the next flip is 50 50. But people are going to go, no way is it going to be 10 straight heads. (laughs) And, And I think the idea of the Lakers losing for the first time in his career, LeBron losing in the first round, it's hard to comprehend. I got a best bet and it's really simple. Right? I could act like it's coming from here or there or whatever. I have a number of DFS people I listen to that really understand rotations, who gets time, who's going to get usage, who's going to get their shots. And who's not getting their shots is Drummond. Lakers, center, Drummond, I believe will be underused. I think what we're going to see is other players that they need the offense more are going to play. And thus... My best bet for you is Drummond under nine and a half points. I think Gasol gets more time than you might think, but Drummond's odds are up everywhere. The over-under is nine and a half. Under points for Drummond, nine and a half. Best bet from R.J. Bell. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 